All right, we are in Isaiah chapter 14, if you'd like to open up there. Isaiah chapter 14. And I've entitled this message, Lucifer, Your Adversary. Lucifer, Your Adversary. And we are going to, we're not going to do the whole chapter tonight. We're just going to pull out uh, about, I don't know, eight or nine verses here. And look at them, specifically looking at the individual that is being talked about here who is called Lucifer. And we know Lucifer is the name of the devil or Satan before he fell. That was his name when he was an angel. Uh, and so, you know, it just is coincidental that we're in Isaiah 14 tonight. I actually didn't plan this, and then Halloween is this weekend. So I think it's a little bit uh, appropriate for the timing because the whole country is going to be celebrating death and ghouls and goblins and skeletons and uh, uh, you know, really, there's a lot of evil that happens on Halloween night in the occult, Satanism, witchcraft, and so forth. Uh, and so uh, we, it, we need to understand uh, what we're getting ourselves into if we start to really celebrate uh, a holiday that is really a, a holiday of death, where death is glamorized and, and scary things and evil is, is sort of uh, made to be fun and exciting. So... Uh, this, this message is not about Halloween. <clears throat> it's about really the founder of Halloween uh, and all the founder of all evil, and that is Satan or Lucifer. Lucifer, your adversary. Isaiah chapter 14, starting in verse 9. Hell from beneath, and this is from the New King James Version. Hell from beneath is excited about you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you, all the chief ones of the earth. It is raised up from their thrones, all the kings of the nations. They all shall speak and say to you, How you also have become weak as we. Have you become like us? Your pomp is brought down to Sheol, or hell, and the sound of your stringed instruments, the maggot, is spread under you and worms cover you. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you were cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of heaven. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like most, the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down from Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. And those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? And so this is where we are introduced to the name. It's the only place in the Bible where we're given the devil's name before his fall. Now, Isaiah is, is speaking, as he's writing this, he's speaking about the fall of the king of Babylon. And then he gets into this prophecy. He turns away from the physical kingdom of Babylon and the literal king of Babylon. And he looks toward the angelic realm. And he writes this down, Isaiah the prophet, uh, about the power that was behind the king of Babylon. Uh, we know that in the scriptures there are many times when we see that there are demons that are behind the human governments that are on the earth, demonic powers that are over the governors or the kings of the earth. Uh, and this is one of a couple of passages in the Old Testament that really gives us a lot uh, uh, of an introduction uh, of the individual nature and character of who Satan is in the Old Testament. It's here in Isaiah 14, and then also we'll look in Ezekiel chapter 28, which also uh, speaks about this. But again, as I was mentioning earlier, the whole uh, country 
and, and really the whole Western world is preparing to celebrate Halloween right now. Halloween is, uh, for retail sales purposes, is the second most profitable or second most celebrated uh, holiday the whole year long in America. The first is still uh, Christmas. But the second most celebrated uh, holiday where money is spent on candy, costumes, parties, and so forth uh, is Halloween in this country. So people celebrate Halloween. They enjoy getting scared. They like watching scary movies on Halloween and, you know, ghost stories and witches and goblins and bats and spiders and hang skeletons. Uh, It's all about death, really. It's all about scariness and death and creepy things and darkness and uh, and, and man is really interested in this, in, in, in uh, darkness and death and, and, and being afraid and so forth. Um, it's also the highest holy day for the Satanists. It's the highest holy day uh, for the witches and for the Wiccans and for those who offer sacrifices, whether it's animal sacrifices or human sacrifices. I remember when I was up in Tehachapi and they used to have a huge, before I lived in Tehachapi, they had a huge satanic cult uh, in Tehachapi in the 1980s when Satanism was rampant in the Southern California mountain communities. And Tehachapi was the central location for Satanism and the practice of Satanism in Southern California. It was the, like the holiest place for the Satanists uh, was uh, the mountains in Tehachapi. And it's reported that they offered human sacrifices up there for years and that there were judges, there were uh, people on the uh, uh, city council, uh, uh, people related to the county government and so forth who were part of this. There was even uh, an elder in the Lutheran church there uh, who was the, the high priestess of this satanic cult. Um, and, and, and I know this because people have told me uh, these stories and there's evidences to back up these stories. It was really before my time. I didn't move to Tehachapi until 2005. But anybody that lived in Tehachapi when they were teenagers will tell you about the 1980s and the early 90s, all the black cats that were disappearing. Black cats, pe- pets, and house cats, all the black cats were disappearing in Halloween. And then they began to find where they were sacrificing these black cats, these Satanists and these witches. Uh, witches say they don't... Uh, uh, you know, sacrifice animals, but uh, anybody that gets into the cult, there's more power when they, uh, when they shed blood. And, and so uh, there were cats, they would be uh, black cats that would be uh, disassembled with their entrails out and so forth in, on pentagrams and things like this. And, you know, people just say, oh, it's, it's all nonsense. It's all just, you know, uh, rock and roll music in the 80s and Metallica and all these satanic groups and people trying to pretend to worship Satan so they can make money and they can be really cool. Um, but there really are people who practice these in America, according to the LA Times, an article a couple of years ago where they were looking at witchcraft and the uh, uh, witch, witchcraft stores popping up all over LA and people practicing witchcraft, putting hexes and spells and chants and all these things upon other people. Witch, witchcraft is the fastest growing religion in America right now as Christianity is declining. True biblical Christianity is dwindling in America today. So it's a very real thing. Uh, this Halloween, I'm sure all the uh, Satanists and the witches uh, are very excited because it is a blue moon. It's going to be a full moon on Halloween, and they tie their sacrifices to the moon, as you probably know. Uh, They believe that that's a time when the spirit realm, the veil between the physical and the spiritual realm is the thinnest, is on Halloween, uh, and especially when there's a full moon. Uh, And this is is a blue moon. It's the second full moon in the month of October, which is super rare. To have a Halloween that's a blue moon, a full moon on Halloween, it's very rare. I don't think the next one's going to happen until 2035. So um, we just need to understand uh, we don't need to be scared. We don't need to be worried, but we just need to know this is very, very real. And there are people that as we worship the Lord and as we study his word, there are others who, who worship Satan and study the satanic Bible and the writings of the occult. Uh, and they pray as well. They pray to uh, the devil, even as we pray to Jesus. And so it's very real. I'm not trying to scare you, but it's, it's true. It's just, it's just real. We need to be uh, um, cognizant of this reality and they they sure celebrate the holiday of Halloween that is their highest holy day of the year for the occult for witchcraft and for satanists so again we read here about lucifer in verse 9 Isaiah 14 verse 9 
Hell from beneath is excited about you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you. All the chief ones of the earth, it is raised up from their thrones. All the kings of the nations, they all shall speak and say to you, Have you also become as weak as we? Have you become like us? Your pomp is brought down to Sheol. And the sound of your stringed instruments, the maggot is spread under you and worms cover you. So this is the end of Lucifer. Lucifer is going to end up in hell. He's going to end up in hell with all the people that he led to hell. And all of these rulers and kings that sold their soul to Satan for power, for riches, for wealth, uh, for fame, they're going to say, oh, are you, have you become like one of us? You who, who we sold our soul to? You were the great one. You were the powerful one. Now you're weak as we are. Uh, they speak of uh, maggots and worms, which speaks of death, like a grave or a tomb. Uh, uh, apparently there will be worms in hell. Uh, the fire is never quenched and the, and the worm uh, never, never ceases or never sleeps, uh, the Bible says, the maggot. And, uh, and he, he mentions here his stringed instruments. And so um, most of Bible scholars believe that Satan was the cherub who was the worship leader of heaven before he fell. He was certainly the most beautiful of all the angels, according to the scriptures. Uh, and he was the, uh, apparently the music leader in heaven. He was the one that led the worship in heaven before the throne of God uh, until he got puffed up with pride, as we're going to see. And then he wanted to become God. He wanted the worship. He was leading worship. Then he was jealous. He wanted to be worshiped as God instead of God the creator being worshiped as God. And that's when he, he fell. Now, again, we know that according to uh, verse 4, that he's talking about the king of Babylon, the human king of Babylon here initially. And then he gets into this, uh, uh, really this expose or this prophecy about the fall uh, of Lucifer. And we know that there are uh, powers behind human governments. There, there are uh, there could be godly, you know, God could, could empower a king or a ruler. Uh, but there are many, many uh, pagan kings throughout history and rulers of the world uh, who have sold their souls to Satan or to the devil for power. And, and so they are basically being used as pawns or puppets for the demonic realm. For example, uh, you will recall in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 10, when the angel Gabriel was coming to Daniel in answer to his prayer, he said this to him in Daniel 10, verse 12. He said, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the day that the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. And so Daniel, the man of God, was fasting and praying for 21 days, seeking the Lord, praying to the Lord. And this angel, Gabriel, was coming to answer the prayer of Daniel. But he says, Daniel... Uh, I was dispatched from the day that you started praying. Remember, Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days. From the first day that you started praying, I was dispatched to come to answer your prayer. He says, but I was held up. I was withstood by the prince of the kingdom of Persia for 21 days until Michael, the archangel, came to help me fight this power or this demon. And so the prince of Persia even though there would have been a king of Persia, there would have been a, a physical ruler of Persia, this was a spiritual ruler behind the prince of Persia who was empowering uh, this pagan prince, apparently. And so uh, there's a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual uh, realm that we don't see, and there's a spiritual battle taking place in that spiritual realm between the good angels and between the fallen angels. And, uh, and, and we know that when... God is referring to, for example, uh, the king of Babylon in Isaiah. He's not just speaking of the physical king who was the king of Babylon at this time. 
He was speaking of the power who was Satan, who was behind this human government, this human agency. There was a spirit, a spirit behind him, a power behind him, who was Lucifer for the Babylonians, the prince of Persia for uh, the, the Persians. Now, back in Isaiah 14 and verse 12, this is where we're given the name of Satan before he fell. How you are fallen from heaven, verse 12. O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you were cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. Now, the name Lucifer means day star or shining one or star of the morning. So he was a beautiful, he had a beautiful name. He was a beautiful angel before he became the devil and Satan. Uh, And again, he was, uh, he had musical instruments, the sound of your stringed instruments and so forth. So he was a very talented, beautiful, gorgeous angel. And he was a very prominent angel. He was an archangel, one of the most powerful classes of angels that God had created. And yet uh, he fell. He says, how you were cut down, you who have weakened the nations. In the New Testament, we are told about Satan and Lucifer in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll read this to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 tells us this. This is from the New Testament about Satan. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder... For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So Satan doesn't come and appear as a mean, scary, creepy, evil creature. He appears as a beautiful angel to people. Uh, The idea that that the angel has, you know, uh, you know, a pitchfork and a forked tongue and horns and a, and a tail and dressed in red and all these things. That was really made up by the church in medieval times as they were trying to scare people from going after all the pagan gods. There was so much paganism throughout Europe at the time that the church had come into Europe from uh, the Middle East and from the, uh, the Roman Empire and then the Greek Empire into Europe. Uh, and there were people who, you know, the Celts and, and the Druids and everything, and they, they were witches, and witchcraft was, and paganism was, was very commonplace in Europe um, at that time, 800 A.D., 900 A.D., 1,000 A.D., as, as missionaries were coming into Europe and, and making, uh, you know, building churches and uh, monasteries and monks and Christianizing uh, Europe. So they wanted to scare people away from these other gods, from worshiping these other gods, and so they started to paint images of Satan being this scary monster. But the scripture never says that he's a scary monster. As a matter of fact, whenever the Bible mentions the devil and Satan, he's beautiful. Because if he was ugly, scary, and mean-looking, people wouldn't want to follow him. Uh, But he disguises himself as an angel of light. He transforms himself into a beautiful angel. And again, originally he was a beautiful, shining, glorious, radiant angel before he fell. So not only is he uh, someone who deceives people by transforming himself into an angel of light to deceive them, um, we're also told that, that he blinds the, the minds of the unbelievers. They're blinded to who he really is. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3, Paul says this, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So Satan is called the God of this world. It's with a little g. But he is the God who's behind all of the false gods of all of the false religions of the world. And Satan uh, deceives. He blinds the minds of the unbelievers. He has blinded them to where they don't see him for who he is and they don't see Christ for who he is. They've been deceived. They have been blinded. Satan is a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a murderer from the beginning. So again, we continue here, picking up in verse 13 of Isaiah 14. 
After he says, you've fallen, you've been cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, this is what Lucifer said in his heart before he fell. He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So these are the five I wills of Satan, where Satan said, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. It was all about me, myself, and I. And interesting, the people who follow Luciferianism today or Satanism, their first rule, their first law in the church of Satan is do what thou wilt. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, is the first of the commandments of the satanic church. That's what they preach. That's what they teach. Do what you want. Do whatever makes you happy. Because that was Satan's uh, heart. He wanted to be like God. I will be like God. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above all the other angels or the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And I will be like the most high. And so God says that Basically, we are called to obey him. We are called to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. It's not about us anymore. It's not about what I want anymore. I belong to Christ. Lucifer says, if you come to me, I'll give you whatever you want. You, you just have to worship me. And so people will, will literally sell their souls to the devil in order to get what they think they want in this life. And Satan uh, was a self-determinate being. He had a free will, and he exercised his free will to rebel against God. And, and he's a rebel. He's the first rebel, and he is really uh, the original rebel. He's the one that wants you to rebel against God. He wants you to rebel against your parents. He wants you to rebel against the police and rebel against the government, and rebel against the church and rebel against all authority because he is the original rebel and he still wants people to rebel against all uh, authority where God tells us that we are to submit to the authorities, that uh, all authorities are put there by God and God is ultimately the head over all uh, human authorities. And so we are to submit to authorities unless uh, the authorities tell us that we cannot continue to worship and serve God. Then it's better to obey God rather than to obey man. Now the other scripture that talks about Satan uh, is Ezekiel chapter 28, if you want to turn there. Ezekiel is a couple of books to the right from Isaiah. Ezekiel chapter 28 Verse 1 says this, The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, Thus says the Lord God, Because your heart is lifted up, and you say, I am a God, I sit in the seat of gods, in the midst of the seas, yet you are a man and not a God, though you set your heart as the heart of a God. So initially, again, Ezekiel is speaking to a human king. He's proclaiming a judgment of God upon a human king, uh, the king of Tyre, or the prince of Tyre here he's speaking to. So there's a human a, uh, individual that, that uh, Ezekiel has in mind here. But then it again, it springboard, springboards into a prophecy uh, about Satan again and Lucifer. If you skip to verse 12, he says this. Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes was prepared for you on the day that you were created. You were the anointed cherub or angel who covers. I establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. Verse 16, by the abundance of your trading... You became filled with violence within, 
and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who knew you. All who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror, and you shall be no more forever. So this is, this, is, this is Satan. He's the anointed cherub who covers. This is, this is his fall. This is why he fell, because he was so perfect. He was so gorgeous. He was so beautiful. His beauty and his talents and his position being the anointed cherub who covers, which means he was like right there with God at God's throne in heaven. He had this you know, wonderful position that God had given him. He was perfect in wisdom. He was beautiful. He had uh, the workmanship of his timbrels and his pipe. pipes were created for you on the day you were created. He literally, most Bible scholars believe that Satan had musical instruments built into his body to where he produced the most beautiful music from his body. You know, and, and so uh, you see how Satan uses music today. Uh, how Satan has used music to get a message out all over the world to, to communicate a message to the people. And m- there are many, many people who uh, have publicly identified themselves as those who have sold them, their souls to the devil. And once they sold their souls to the devil, they got this fame. They got this talent. They had this platform that they never had before, and they became famous. Uh, but they sold their souls to the devil, and they're going to have to pay with their souls. So it's, it's so interesting how God talks about him. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned, and I cast you out as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, verse 16, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. So it was pride. And the Bible says that pride comes before a fall. You know, pride is really the root of all sin. Pride is the foundation of all sin. Thinking, I, I should be allowed to do what I want. I shouldn't have to do what other people want. I shouldn't have to do what God says that I have to do. I shouldn't have to follow the Ten Commandments. That's pride. And Satan was the original rebel. And those who follow him are rebels. They're rebelling against their creator. But he was the anointed cherub who covers. And then in verse 18, we're told that God is going to cast him down. He is going to cast him down. He is going to uh, throw him in hell in, the, in uh, the lake of fire forever and ever. That is his end. First, he was cast out of heaven down to the earth. Uh, he still, Satan still has access as the accuser of the brethren. He still has access to heaven uh, because, remember, Jesus told Peter, Peter, don't you know Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you, and when you are restored, strengthen your brethren. So Satan was still asking God permission when Jesus was here on the earth. Satan had access to the throne room of God to petition God to sift Peter like wheat. Remember, Jesus told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, when Peter was trying to tell Jesus that he didn't have to go to the cross. And uh, Jesus was saying, I'm going to, you know, die, uh, be delivered into the hands of evil men and uh, be killed, crucified and buried for three days and raised on the third day. And Satan says, you know, uh, through Peter, you know, may it never be. And, and Jesus says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. It was Satan speaking through Peter, trying to keep Jesus from going to the cross to atone for the sins of the world and to conquer death, to conquer Satan, to conquer hell. And so Satan, uh, you remember in the, in the story of Job, Satan had access to the throne of God to accuse Job before God. And, and so Satan, although he has been cast out of his position as the worship leader of heaven, he still apparently has access to heaven until the tribulation period where we're told that he will finally be cast out of heaven and cast down uh, to the earth for the final three and a half years of the tribulation period. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus says this in verse 18 about Satan. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And so uh, they were so excited that the demons were uh, uh, obedient to them. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And that's when Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So that was no doubt the original fall of Satan when he went from being Lucifer, the shining anointed one, the worship leader of heaven, to Satan, the devil, the deceiver, the accuser of the brethren, the liar, and the murderer. Uh, and so we have power over the devil. You know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. I don't have power over the devil, but he who lives in me, the Holy Spirit, is God. So he has power over the devil and all the demons. So greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And so, uh, for example, when we were in Africa many years ago, several years ago on a missions trip, uh, there were many, many people in Africa practicing witchcraft. They still practice witchcraft all over the world. They practice witchcraft here in America, like I was saying earlier. Uh, but in Africa, they have ancient spirits that they worship, and they're scared of these ancient spirits or demons. Uh, and when we were there and traveling around in Uganda through uh, the more rural areas, uh, which they call the bush, uh, you know, it's very impoverished, and people live like they have lived for thousands of years, most of them. And they still have local deities that they worship, that they offer sacrifices to, and so forth. And so we would often be invited as pastors from America to go into people's houses because their houses were haunted because they used to worship demons or spirits and offer sacrifices for for fertility for their wives. They wanted to have more kids or for their crops to do better. You know, it's... it's, it's, it's uh, it, it's paganism, ancient paganism that's still practiced. Uh, but then those demons, once they open the doors to these spirits, these spirits terrorize them and terrify them and terrify their kids. Some of them, I remember one man telling us that these uh, spirits were killing his goats and killing his chickens. And so, but whenever we would come in, we would lead the whole house to Christ, lead them all to Jesus Christ. Uh, a lot of them were, were, were Catholics, but they really weren't practicing Catholics. They were practicing witchcraft, and, but they called themselves Catholics. Um, and so they would be, you know, they would, we'd lead them to Christ, they'd be born again, and then we would, we would cast the demons out of the house. And then we'd come back a couple of weeks later, and they'd say, hey, everything's great. No more chickens being killed, and no more knocking on our doors at night. And, you know, and, and you could say it was all in their head, but these people really believe this, and they really, this is real to them. Uh, uh, and then we, we dealt with a demon-possessed woman uh, there whose name was Joanne, who her dad was one of the local witch doctors, and she was totally insane. She was completely demon-possessed, following us all over the villages, everywhere we'd go and speak. For two weeks, she followed us around. And then we finally, uh, the men pastors finally took her and grabbed her, and we prayed over her, and we cast these demons out of her. Uh, she looked like she was dead. She just collapsed. We thought she had died, but she, she just when all the demons left her, she was just, she, she just collapsed. She was like, passed out for like a half an hour. And when she came back, she didn't even remember what had happened. I mean, I didn't speak Lugandan, so I had a translator there. But it turns out that her, she was dedicated as a little girl to the local deity of her village. And her father was a local witch doctor. And they had an uh, altar where they offered sacrifices, primarily animal sacrifices, to the spirit. And so she was kind of like the one that the spirit would, would just harass all the time. And uh, possess and so forth. And she came to be a Christian. Uh, she was born again. She started coming to church out there. And then her dad, who was the local witch, one of the local witch doctors, actually came to church and got saved because he, I led the guy to the Lord because he saw what had happened to his daughter. She was a completely different person. The demons were all gone. So this stuff is real. It happens. Uh, we have the power of God. It's not me. It's not you that has the power over the devil, but it's the Holy Spirit who has the power over the devil because he's the anointed cherub who was created on the day you were created, the Bible says. He's a created being. God is not a created being. God has existed forever and ever and ever. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus Christ who is the word that has lived forever. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know that the Holy Spirit created everything in, in Genesis chapter 1. So the Spirit of God 
uh, God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son, they all three have existed forever, and they created everything, including the angels. So Lucifer is not like, like the half-brother of Jesus. Actually, the Mormons teach that. The Mormons teach that Lucifer and Jesus are both brothers, uh, sons of Elohim. And that Lucifer was a bad brother, so he didn't get to take over the earth. This is what the Mormons teach. Uh, Jesus was the good son, and so Jesus got to take over the earth. And that's why Lucifer was mad at Jesus and is trying to give Jesus a hard time uh, and so forth. And it's not true. Lucifer is not equal to Jesus Christ. Jesus created Lucifer. So Lucifer is a created being. That's why the Holy Spirit, who lives in me and lives in you, uh, has the power over the demonic realm because the demons are created uh, beings. When Satan fell, the scriptures tell us he took a third of the uh, angelic realm with him. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7, we're told this, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. The dragon is the devil. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast down to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. Verse 12, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. And so we know that uh, the devil uh, took one-third of the angels with him when he rebelled, swept a third of the uh, stars, verse 4 of of, uh, Revelation 12 tells us. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them down to the earth. And so uh, the stars are another name or title for the angels in the scriptures. So he probably even deceived a third of the angels. He, number one, he was deceived to think that he could overthrow God. Then he deceived a third of the angels to think that they could overthrow God and the good angels. Um, And then he comes down to the earth and he tries to deceive people to worship him instead of worshiping the creator, the true and the living God. So he's he's a deceiver and a liar uh, from the very beginning. But he only took one-third of the angels who became the demons with him. Two-thirds of the angels stayed loyal uh, to God. So Jesus said that he saw uh, Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That would have been, uh, I believe that would have been when, when Satan fell the first time. Uh, but then he, eventually Satan is completely cast out of heaven, has no more access to heaven. And I believe this is the reason, because Satan has had access to heaven, heaven to accuse the brethren. I believe that's the reason that God is going to create a new heaven, not just a new earth. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth uh, at the end of this age, at the, after the millennial reign of Christ, because heaven itself has been defiled with rebellion by Satan. So he's going to create a new heaven wherein righteousness dwells and there has never been any rebellion and a new earth This earth is going to burn up with fire and everything in it. He's going to create a new earth uh, wherein righteousness dwells, where there uh, will be no rebellion uh, or disobedience here in the new earth. So, uh, but this is speaking of the three and a half year great tribulation period where Satan is completely thrown out of heaven at this time and the the demons that fell with him. He's going to be cast down to the earth. His angels are going to be cast down with him. and, And then... Uh, it's going to be really, really bad on the earth uh, for this last three and a half year period. It says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, verse 12, um, and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows his time is short. And then that's going to be the great tribulation period where Satan then takes over uh, as the king over this earth through the person uh, of the Antichrist and the false prophet. Now, Jesus says of Satan in John chapter 10 and verse 10 that he is a, uh, he's a liar 
and he is a murderer. In, in uh, John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So he's talking about the devil here, the thief. He's, he steals, he kills, he's a murderer, he's a destroyer. He says, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The sheep. But the thief is the one who steals, kills, and destroys. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus says concerning the devil, he says, you are of your father the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Satan is a liar. He's a liar and he does not stand in the truth. There's no truth in Satan. When Satan speaks, he lies because he's a liar from the beginning. When he speaks lies, he's speaking from his nature. Just like when Jesus speaks truth, he's speaking from his nature. Jesus is the truth. So he's going to speak the truth. His word is truth. Satan is a liar. So you can't believe a word that the devil says. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a thief. And he is a murderer, the scriptures tell us. Now we know that when we're introduced in the Bible to this character of uh, Satan and the devil, it's way back in the book of Genesis, back in Genesis chapter 3, and we see sort of his, uh, his cunning and his tactics that he uses to deceive man. We read this in Genesis 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the garden, the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now it's interesting, God never said that they can't touch it. That must have been a rule that Adam added, because if you look back at God's command to Adam about uh, not being able to eat of this tree, he never said you shouldn't touch it. In verse 16, uh, of chapter 2, he said, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. He didn't say you should not touch it. That was probably what Adam told Eve. Uh, Eve might not have been there when God told Adam this. So Adam, wanting to keep his wife away from the tree, told her, don't eat it and don't touch it. So she thought that was the rule. So Satan comes and starts talking to her, the devil, the serpent, Asking him, asking Eve, are you allowed to eat of all these trees? And, and uh, just striking up a conversation with, with Eve. And Eve uh, says, uh, no, God says you shall, I can, we can get eat from all the trees except for this one. You shall not eat from this one uh, or touch it, she says, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. God wanted them not to know evil. He wanted them just to know good. They already knew good. They knew God. They had a perfect life. There was no sin. There was no death. There was no disease. There was no suffering. Everything was perfect. They knew good, but they didn't know evil. Uh, as a matter of fact, they didn't even know that they should have been ashamed for being naked. They were like children in their nakedness. There was no awareness of nakedness being wrong until after they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then they were ashamed and they covered up their nakedness, as you know. And so really, God wasn't protecting them from knowing good. God was protecting them from knowing evil. So Satan says, yeah, God doesn't want you to eat of this because then you're going to know good and evil and you're going to be just like God. And so you know the story. Uh, Eve went on to eat of the tree and then she gave the fruit to her husband and he ate of it as well. But it's the same lie that, that, that Satan uh, began with, that, that he would be God. It's the same lie. I will be like God, he said in Isaiah chapter 14. 
Ezekiel chapter 28. It wasn't enough that he was the most beautiful and talented and glorious of all of the angels. He wanted more. He wanted to be worshipped as God. He wanted to be like the Most High. So he was deceived into thinking that he could overthrow God. He led a third of the angels into deception, thinking that they could overthrow God. Then he came down to the earth and he deceived man, thinking that man would uh, become God by listening to the word of the serpent and disobeying the word of the Lord. And of course, it's a total lie. It's a total delusion. Satan still comes with that lie uh, that you could become God. The Hindus and the Buddhists, the New Age movement, uh, it's all based on the idea that you could become God, that you could become a guru, you could become an avatar, you can uh, become an ascended master. If you really become a good uh, New Age practitioner or you become a good Buddhist or you become a good Hindu, that maybe someday you will become a god. And that is what their goal is. So it's the same lie that Satan has been saying from the very beginning. If you, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God. You could become a god. And it's a lie. Uh, there, there is only one God revealed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In ancient times, the pharaohs, the Egyptian pharaohs, believed that they were gods. Uh, a lot of the ancient kings believed that they were gods. They were worshipped as gods. The Roman emperor, starting with Emperor uh, Julius Caesar, believed that he uh, was God. And he said, I am God. I'm, I'm more than just a man. And so throughout uh, history, uh, people believed that they could become God. The Mormons actually believed that you could become a God. That's what they teach their people. Uh, the, the men, uh, they say, if you're a good Mormon man uh, and you do all the things you're supposed to do and you do all the ceremonies in the temple in Salt Lake City, Utah and all the rest and, you know, you get married and your uh, marriage is sealed in the, in the church there uh, in the temple, that you will go on and you will become a god and that you're going to have your own uh, planet uh, when you die. If you're a good Mormon, you'll have your own planet and they say that, you know, Jesus was a, was a good son. He was just a man. Then he became a god. And you're going to become like that. You're going to have your own planet. You're going to be a god. Then your wife, who was sealed with you in the temple, in the Mormon temple, she's going to be your wife. And then you're going to populate that planet with your babies. So it's like a spiritual uh, marriage um, where the Bible says that our marriages don't continue on into heaven. That, you know, in heaven we're, we're like the angels. We don't marry or give in marriage. We're married to Jesus in heaven. Uh, and, and yet the Mormons say that their marriages are eternal. So when you get married in the Mormon temple and it's sealed in the Mormon temple, you're married forever and ever and ever, not just till death do you part, forever, indefinitely. Uh, and, and so it is, it is the lie of Satan, once again, that man can become God. You will be God. And it is uh, obviously a successful bait to, to put out there to tempt man to want to become God or become like God. It's interesting that we were created by God to worship God. He created us within us to want to worship him. And if we don't worship him, we're going to worship somebody else. Uh, you look at all the ancient peoples, as primitive as they were, they all worshipped gods. No one had to tell them to worship gods. Everywhere, all over the planet, all over the world, all throughout history, people worshipped gods. They may have worshipped the wrong gods, but it was within them to worship gods. Even the Neanderthals had uh, rocks that they would set up in altars and burials and things like this because they believed in the spirit and they believed in the afterlife and so forth. The anthropologists tell us. Uh, so it's within man to worship God. Even the most uh, advanced intelligent animals don't worship God, like dolphins or, you know, uh, killer whales or all, all of the other animals that are highly intelligent animals, uh, octopuses and you know, all these really smart animals. They don't worship God. They don't have like a little altar that they make and offer a sacrifice to their deity. So the most primitive man around the world throughout history has worshiped God because it's within man to worship God. But even the most advanced animals have no knowledge of worshiping God in that way or, or offering sacrifices or so forth because God made man to worship. If we don't worship the true and living God, we will worship something less than the true and living God. And that's where idols uh, come uh, into play. And people will worship idols. They'll worship other gods. They'll worship other men or, or women or they will worship themselves. And ultimately, this is what Satan has always wanted is to be worshipped as God. We read that in 
uh, Isaiah chapter 14. He wants to be like God and he wants to be worshipped uh, as God is worshipped. You remember when Satan came to Jesus in Luke chapter 4. He asked Jesus to bow down and worship him. We read this in Luke chapter 4 and verse 3. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Verse 9, then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Or put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until a more opportune time. But it's interesting that Jesus didn't argue with Satan here when Satan says, if you bow down and worship me, I'm going to give you all of the kingdoms and the glories of the kingdoms of the earth. He says, it's, it's mine to give. You see, man, when man listened to the voice of the serpent and disobeyed the voice of the Lord, man turned the stewardship of this planet over to Satan. God created the earth. He gave it to man. But man was to manage the earth under the authority of God. God was in charge. When man disobeyed God and listened to the voice of the devil, in essence, man yielded the stewardship and the authority of the earth to Satan. That's when the fall came, the curse came, death came, disease. Uh, right away, there was murder that took place. Cain murdered his brother Abel, we're told. Uh, and so murder, fratricide happened right away and so forth. Uh, and, and there are many, many people who claim to have sold their souls to the devil for money, for fame, for power, for success. There's a, a really famous um, club called the 27 Club. Some of you have heard of the 27 Club, where all of these modern rock stars who have really influenced modern music, uh, many of them died at age 27, sometimes of drug overdoses or other things, but they certainly died very young. And most of these guys that died at 27 who went from nothing to complete and total adulation and fame, they became famous almost overnight, um, they say that they practiced the occult and that they sold their soul to the devil. Kurt Cobain uh, died at 27, said he had sold his soul to the devil, practiced the occult and everything else, the founder of Nirvana. Uh, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, the founder of The Doors, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Robert Johnson. If you look up Robert Johnson, Robert Johnson was the one who invented rock and roll music, and he says that he sold his soul to the devil uh, as a blues guitarist, really not a good blues guitarist, back in the 1920s and 1930s, and he uh, got mad at God. He said he made a deal with the devil at the crossroads, and then he came back, and he was the best blues player in the history of the world. And he is the one that invented modern rock and roll music on a guitar, Robert Johnson, that all of the great uh, guitar players say that he was their inspiration. He was their influence. He was the first one that's recorded as dying at age 27. And so the 27 Club started with him. People ask, well, why is it 27? Who knows? But, uh, you know, when you get into satanic uh, occultic numerology, there's always sixes. There's always 666 if you look at the numbers. And, and, and numbers are often turned upside down. So if you have 27, that's nine times nine times, or uh, nine three times, nine plus nine plus nine. If you turn the nine upside down, you have the 666. So Satan does things opposite. He turns things upside down. Uh, but the 666 is usually there somewhere where uh, Satan uh, is trying to put his calling card. So it is true that people still will, will sell their souls to the devil in order for fame and fortune. But it's, it's really, it's a bad deal because, you know, you may have fame and fortune and, and, and wealth for a short time, but you're going to uh, basically have to pay for it for all eternity with your soul being cast into hell. 
in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said this about the value of the soul. He said in verse 24 of Matthew 16, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So it's the opposite message that Satan tells people. Satan says, do what you want. Do whatever you want shall be the whole of the law. God says, no, if you desire to follow me, let him deny himself, not do what you want, but do what God wants. Take up his cross and follow me. He says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Then he asks this question, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man has come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. But Jesus is saying, you know, what, what are you, what, what's it going to profit you if you sell your soul and you get the whole world given to you? Eventually, you're going to have to pay the price of giving your soul back to the devil if he's the one that you sold your soul to in order to have fame and wealth and power uh, and prestige. And, 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 and Jesus is saying, it's not a good trade. Your soul is worth more than all the riches of this world. And we know we're all going to die. We should really be more concerned with the heavenly riches and the eternal riches than we are with the material, physical world because we're not going to live forever. We're all going to die, and it's all going to be left behind. We know this. Jesus asked the question, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Very interesting question when he's talking about people selling their soul to gain the whole world. Um, in essence, once you've sold your soul, uh, don't expect the devil's going to give it back to you. You know, he's saying, what, what can you give in exchange for your soul? Once you've sold your soul to the devil, how can you get it back? You know, only through Jesus Christ, really, uh, because Jesus purchased uh, the, the, the souls of all men. He died for the sins of all the world, for all who would turn to him. Uh, but apart from Christ, if people sell their soul to the devil, there's not, no way to get your soul back, you know, and so you, you better count the cost. Your soul is worth more than all of the treasures of this world. It's interesting that uh, uh, now, even through our technology, through science and technology, people are, the billionaires want to live forever. They're creating all of these networks to where you can download your soul. If, they may not call it the soul. They may call it the, the, the conscious mind uh, or, or your, your, your thoughts, your mind. Uh, the um, immaterial, conscious part of your being. They're saying that once we get the technology right, you could download your soul to the cloud and you will live forever on the internet. You'll live forever on the, on the cloud. And uh, Elon Musk is working on this. I mean, there's, there, there's tons of billionaires pouring tons of money into this. I believe it's one of the reasons that technology is advancing so quickly is because these billionaires think they're going to live forever. They think they could somehow create the technology where they're never going to die. And if their body dies, they're going to live in a virtual reality world. Elon Musk talks about this. Live in a virtual reality world with an avatar body living with your memories, that all of your memories are going to be downloaded, your personality is going to be downloaded online, and then you're going to live out your own created world in a virtual, VR virtual reality in an avatar body forever and ever and ever. And so it's, again, it's the same lie of the devil recycled over and over again. You shall not surely die. You know, you don't need Jesus Christ here. Let's figure out a way that you could live forever apart from going to Jesus and trusting in Jesus. The, the devil is a liar from the beginning. But the Bible tells us there's only one true God, and we are to worship him only. We're not to worship any other God. In Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 10, I'll read this to you. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. He's the only God. In Isaiah 44 and verse 6, God says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. He is the only God. In Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 5, he says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me. 
And then he says in verse 21 of Isaiah 45, Tell and bring forth your case. Yes, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient times? Who has told it from that time? Have not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a just God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Verse 22, look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. And the devil doesn't like that message. He doesn't like the message that he's not God, but it's the truth. And he's a liar and he's a deceiver and he's deluded. And he is going to eventually take over this world. He's going to, uh, once the church age is over and the church is raptured into heaven, he is going to have what he's always wanted. According to Revelation chapter 12 and Revelation chapter 13, he is going to be worshipped by the whole planet as God. The whole world is going to worship him, we're told in Revelation chapter 13. And that's what he wants. That's what he's always wanted. That's even what he asked Jesus for, was for Jesus to worship him. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, we read this. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant or diligent, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the whole world. So humility is the key. Pride comes before a fall, uh, but humility before honor. Remember, Satan was filled with pride. He's still filled with pride. Jesus was the humblest man who ever lived. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly and humble of heart. Uh, And so we have to be sober Minded, We have to be vigilant and aware that there is our adversary. Notice it's a personal enemy. Your adversary, personal adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and we must resist him steadfast in the faith. Ephesians 6 tells us to put on the full armor of God, and we have our offensive weapon, which we saw Jesus used against the devil. The offensive weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is... The word of God. Satan hates the word of God. It is our offensive weapon against him. Satan hates the worship of God because he's jealous. That's why the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. If you're ever under spiritual attack or you're dealing with nightmares in your home or, you know, the enemy is is harassing you, read the Bible out loud. Put the Bible on uh, your phone and let it play. Put on Christian music, and and it will change the atmosphere. The spiritual condition and atmosphere of your home will change when you bring God in through his word and through worship into your home. And then Satan will uh, depart. Resist the devil, the Bible says, and he will flee from you. We know in the end, Satan is going to be cast into the lake of fire. In Revelation chapter 20, and this is where we're going to finish tonight. Revelation chapter 20 Verses 1 and 2 say this, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who was the devil and Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years, and he cast him into the bottomless pit, and he shut him up, and he set a seal upon him, so that he should not deceive the nations any more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things he must be released for a little while, Then we're told in verse 10 of Revelation 20, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast or the Antichrist and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented there day and night forever and ever. So if you want to follow the devil, you're going to follow the devil to his end, which is the lake of fire and hell. But if you want to follow Jesus, you're going to follow Jesus where he is, and that is to be with him in heaven forever and ever. Shall we pray? Jesus, we thank you for giving us the victory over the God of this world, the ruler of this world, as you said, the devil. Uh, He is a liar, a murderer, and a deceiver. And we thank you, Jesus, that you showed us how to have victory over over the enemy, Lord, how to uh, stand strong in our faith, how to use our spiritual armor, how to use your word as an offensive weapon. 
We thank you, Jesus, that all power and authority in heaven and on earth have been given to you, you tell us, Lord. And you have given us authority over devils and demons and unclean spirits here on this earth, Lord, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Lord, bless us this weekend, Father, as we go into, uh, once again, October 31st, and this whole uh, world is celebrating Halloween, Lord. Help us, Lord, to not celebrate death and darkness and scary things, Lord, but to celebrate light and life and to celebrate our standing, Lord, in Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, the way, the truth, and the life. And we thank you, Jesus, for our salvation. We thank you, Lord, that we're going to be with you in heaven one day, forever and ever. Bless your people. Guard us, Lord. Protect us. Protect our loved ones, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We all want to thank you for listening. If this message has blessed you, as we all pray that it has, send the link to this podcast to your friends. Working together, we can get Michael's teaching of the whole of God's inerrant word to all those who hunger to hear it. If you would like to see this ministry expand to reach even more of the broken and lost, if you have questions, comments, and prayer requests, email us at coahpodcast at gmail.com. We would be honored to pray for you, as we hope you are praying for us. Good day and God bless from City on a Hill Church to Hatchapi, California.